Hello and welcome to the Investors Chronicle Companies and Market Show, our final Companies Market Show of the year. I am John Human, the editor of the Investors Chronicle, joined today by Ian Smith. How are you doing, Ian? Not too bad, John. How are you? I'm all right. Yeah, got a bit of a headache. Uh, Christmas festivities. We got our double issue out yesterday night, so we went for a few beers. 104 pages. It's a big issue. Yeah, Amazing. Yeah. We did all right, though. We did all right. Anyway, this is your last podcast, isn't it, Ian? It is. Yes, I'm off to the uh, FT to join the special reports team next year. Uh, and sadly, saying farewell to the IC. I'm going to miss you guys. Going to miss you too, Ian. Uh, joined also by Megan Boxall. How are you, Megan? Very well, thanks. Excellent. Your specialist subject today is? Disney. <laughs> <laughs> Getting in the Christmas spirit. Which I think if I was on Mastermind, it would be as well. Oh, would it now? Yeah, I think so. What in particular would you pick? Pixar. Disney Pixar. <sighs> wow. Uh, yeah, I know it's putting put in the staff quiz next year, or not <laughs> to put in the staff quiz next year. Uh, yeah, I caught Megan earlier today. I, I need to ask Megan something, and uh, she was boogieing away at her desk. What are you? What are you listening to, Megan? I was listening to the Finding Nemo soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> There's a bit of shoulder movement, rhythmic. It's a great soundtrack. <laughs> Excuse me. Excuse me, listeners. <laughs> John, what's your favourite Disney soundtrack? I don't have one. I, I, I like... It depends what you... What's Disney? No, Marvel is Disney, it is. Disney isn't it? So. Yeah. L- Lion King. So, if we're talking about... Like, if we're talking about great soundtrack... Elton John, come on. Guardians of the Galaxy is, I think, the best soundtrack for any film ever. That's a it's bold... A- <laughs> what, what? That's, there are many amazing soundtracks out there. If we're the talking Guardians about... Guardians of the Galaxy is a good soundtrack. It's a good soundtrack. But... Well, that's interesting because it's just old songs. Yeah. You know, so you're just saying yeah. you like 70s music. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. We're not here to talk about soundtracks. We're here to talk about investment. And so the double issue is a huge uh, issue. We talk about everything, uh, every asset class, every market. I mean, it's, 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 it's huge. It's a massive effort to put together. And I think you've all done a, a cracking job this year. Well done, team. Well done, team. Um, we don't really want to talk about... We can't really talk about all that on a, on a short podcast. And I know that Alex has done another podcast that you were all involved in in the last couple of days. Yeah, tell so about, tell us about that. We, uh, we had a discussion about outlook for certain sectors for 2018, picked out some themes. So I talked about pharmaceuticals and telecoms. Jonas talked a bit about property. Emma talked a bit about challenger banks. There's a lot in there. When can we expect that? Yeah, the IC Questions podcast will be going live on Monday. Monday. Excellent. Thanks, Dom, in the uh, control room. Uh, okay, right. So what are we going to talk about? Let's, we are going to talk about Disney because actually we have, we have had a little flippant discussion about soundtracks, but, but actually there's been some big news there this year, which has some implications for, for the UK market, not, not least the Sky mm-hmm. deal. There's some other news that you've written a lot of this week, Megan. What other news outside of Disney? We are outside. Oh, right. no, there is more to the world than Disney, Megan. <laughs> well, that's a shame. Um, well, the other news is actually very depressing. Oh, we, well, we do that first. Well, should right? we do the, we do the depressing stuff yeah, first? Yeah, get that and out then, of the way. And then, uh, and Ian, you you know you've uh, you've obviously been uh, your final week or so as uh, as company's editor. We've had quite a few results in the last couple of weeks, including a little flurry this week still. Yeah, a little flurry. We've had a couple of retailer results telling us a little bit more about um, that sector, which everyone's kind of looking at closely uh we had some uh, decent results from purple bricks which i know is a company that mm. a lot of people follow um which is kind of breaking the u.s market um or trying to uh, so yeah there's a few interesting results in there let's start with uh depressing news mm, so yeah cambion care care home operator cambion um was uh featured last night in on an itv documentary which exposed um some pretty horrendous problems in a couple of their care homes in Shropshire. Um, they haven't been treating their vulnerable children who, who live in these care homes very well. Um, so these are, these are specifically children's care homes? They're children's care homes. So right. yeah, Cambion had a 
terrible year in 2016 because uh, it breached its banking covenants. And in order to solve its um, debt issues, uh, it sold its adult care division, um, which was actually the much higher quality part of the business. So what it's been left with is these 200-odd children's specialist care homes. Um, And um, they have been trying to strip out costs everywhere because the margins in that business are really, really poor. And it turns out that actually they're seems to be stripping out a few too many costs maybe um because there this undercover investigation by ITV has found that they are they're just shirking on investment in in both staff and in uh, and in activities and food for the children in these three care homes which have uh, which came into the investigation mm which well, sounds, sounds pretty shocking yeah it is it's awful is it is it more systemic than uh, certain people working there that have kind of gone off script or do you think there's something more systemic oh God, it's hard to tell I mean, yeah yeah I, what are the company saying the co- the company is saying that this yeah that they've they've got it under control they've had um 20 offsted reviews since they were made aware that this investigation had taken place um largely they've done well in the offsted reviews but there have been three care homes which have failed um it's hard to tell obviously it could it could be a it could just be a unique case but cambians made made mistakes before who pays their bills is it is it states La- paying the bills or largely are these private, private private funding a lot of them a lot of it is privately funded but a lot of it is state funded as well mm. um and the, yeah the care homes are close to a thousand pounds five thousand pounds a week this is this is what this is where you start to think because you know i, I i'm thinking more specifically about adult care elderly yeah. care in particular and, and uh the costs of of taking that care of having that care are enormous. Yeah, and it's the same. And, and everyone accuses the sector of, of of essentially being somewhat rapacious and you know essentially making huge profits from these very necessary services. Why is it so hard to make money for these companies? Well, I don't actually think it is because if you look at Cambian's closest peer, which is Caretech, it does fantastically well. Yeah, it has it's, the fees are still very expensive, but it's just growing so so phenomenally. It's all about like proper capital applica- application, like. Just prioritizing prioritizing your costs in the right way. Obviously, the staff cost a lot. Mm-hmm. You need you need to pay care homes and and, and possibly as we leave the European Union, could cost more. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so there are there are worries about how much people are having to pay their staff. But what Caretech's argument was when the um, when the national living wage came in and they a lot of care homes were having to bump up the the price the price they were paying their staff. Caretech was saying, well, we already do that because if you pay your staff a an appropriate salary you're going to be providing better care it's going to help you grow your business better and mm. they've done it well but then yeah cambion is not alone in struggling so four seasons is on the verge of going bust they provide elderly care homes um it's, it's funny because because this sector back in the day i mean you know a new a number of years ago there were a number of operators i think southern cross was the big yeah. one uh that, that went bust so that went bust yeah um and yeah, as I say, you know, you, you, the image of this sector as being, you know, charging high fees that, you know, license print money has not been the case. But you could argue it's a, a financial management and an operational management thing. And you really have to dr- dig into that to work out which company's the back. Yeah, yeah. I and mean, it's clearly not an easy business to run. But if you're running it properly, it seems, it seems like, well, Caretech shows that you can do it well. Just goes to show the value of, uh, of proper analysis of these companies pays off. Yeah. Pays off. Okay, let's talk quickly. I know Julia uh, for sure is not here, but the big news this week uh, from the leisure sector was GVC Labrooks. Yeah, really interesting deal. Further consolidation in that industry that we've seen. You can see the attraction for Labrooks shareholders 
and GVCs, arguably, if you have a big player like Paddy Power Betfair in the market, which is really strong across channels now, then the big uh, challenge to other providers is how do you uh, create a business of that scale uh, that is protected as well from the regulatory squeeze on uh, the high street gambling. And which the, is, the FOBTIs, the uh, FOBTIs, betting terms. Which is a really interesting part of this deal, where there's a sliding scale on the uh, value offered based on what is the, going to be the outcome of the government review into the... Um, maximum stake you can make on a fixed odd uh, betting terminal. So it, it, an in, innovative piece of M&A, we, we tipped um, Labricks earlier this year, I think uh, the argument was that it looks really cheap, even if you factored in quite a swing, uh, swinging cut to uh, the FOBT maximum stake. Um, but perhaps some of the regulatory... Uh, kind of weather <laughs> has shifted in a way that's made this deal um, kind of more palatable. But yeah, it's interesting that it's, it's happening now. Uh, but Labrick shares have fallen so much that, you know, they could uh, come with a pretty hefty premium. I mean, is this game over for the high street bookies? I mean, you know, is this, is this the end of an era? Is it now the online guys that, that really are the dominant force here? I don't think it's the end of, of an era. I think what we'll see is just further shrinking in that part of what bookies do. The government um, likes the tax it, the revenue that it gets um, from even FOBT. So I think there are arguments why the government is not going to push it down to the £2 um, maximum stake. Um, there's always going to be, well, for a while, yeah, a, a physical element to gambling. People want to go into kind of gambling stocks. Uh, shops, but you are going to see a reduction in those estates. Mm. If you look at the kind of price to earnings valuations across the sector, it's not a surprise that the ones that get the higher valuations it are more players that have a higher online share, like um, Paddy Power Betfair being a good example. Um, so, yeah, it makes it, it makes sense for Labrook shareholders. For, for, for GVC, Labrook's core obviously is still a huge player within the, the traditional betting market in it's the UK. Brand, but the brand matters. Still yeah, the brand matters. And especially with this whole shift to, to mobile, if you're thinking, what mobile app am I going to download, especially when they've all invested so much in them, um, you know, brand is going to matter to your average um, kind of sport uh, football um, better, for example. Absolutely. We, we actually wrote a feature last week called uh, Christmas Turkeys That Might Not Be Completely Stuffed and uh, Neil Wilson, a good freelance that we use, put that together. He actually picked William Hill, got the wrong one. <laughs> but he also put Dixon's car phone in there. They've had quite a good week. Yeah, they have had quite a good week. They want to address what's going on in their kind of mobile business, but a lot of that was already pre-flagged. And the market seems to be responding to, um, you know, the things that they're saying. They also wasn't so bad outside of mobile, right? The, yeah, it was, it was the electronics, yeah. uh, you know, the kind of just general gadgetry. And that's so, an area that were quite strong. And that's an area that people are really worried about, given the consumer economy in the UK. So if actually the kind of gadgetry part of what they do is, is stronger and they are uh, working on the mobile part, um, and there's speculation that they might cut some car phone warehouse stores and uh, to improve profitability there. Um, you can see why some people are thinking, oh, maybe that will start to recover, especially because it had been just so lowly rated. Mm. Is it going to be an iPhone Christmas, Megan? That's one of yours, Apple? Which is mentioned more than any other company in this no, week's magazine, yeah. uh, apart from Amazon. I, I guess it's just a sign of the times that these yeah, it's big really US hard to talk about US without talking about Apple and Amazon. Uh, absolutely, yeah. I mean it's very hard to talk about anything without talking about these yeah. companies. They are becoming so so. You know, they're, they're, their tentacles are stretching. Yeah, which is exactly everywhere. what Ian and I were, Ian and I were just talking about before we came down here. Just how how dominant they are, especially Amazon. I mean, Apple obviously is a massive company, but it's arguably in more of a more of a niche amazon just spreads everywhere and now it's gone into food this year it's talking about going into logistics and courier services it's got its cloud platform and obviously it's got its retail part which is so 
So strong. Mm. It's, it's the logistics part that you focused on in uh, the new Spotlight yeah. this week. Yeah, I just think it's really interesting, the, uh, the logistics side of retail. Like, they have... Retailers have had to catch up with Amazon, which has spent so much money in the last few years in getting its delivery, like, last delivery date before Christmas. It's it's come down so much. And, uh, and ASOS has been has been doing the same and next and m&s and debenhams they, they've all had to invest in their in their logistics i, their I think amazon cut a lot of corners in their logistics well, what, what well I, I, so i ordered something last week and it was prime one day yeah you know didn't turn up mm. where the hell is it check my email make sure i've ordered it went hunting around in the front garden it was stashed <laughs> behind some pot <laughs> 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 you need one of those doorbells with a camera on it, John. Oh yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Yeah, seen that, but... uh, no thanks. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, no. I just you know a lot of the sort of uh, established logistics providers. You know, you get your card and you have to go and pick it yeah, up. And it's yeah. all a bit of a pain. It's, yeah, it's so annoying. It is annoying, but at least you know that your stuff is not being left in the rain. <laughs> and I and I and I do wonder whether. Yeah, you know, I this, don't know. This... That's never happened to me that I've had anything from Amazon that has been damaged. But Amazon are generally extremely good. That if you say. I ordered this frying pan and it's come and it's not what I expected. They'll give you a refund like that because they can. Mm. I think I think that we're going to see a lot uh, of stories come out about yeah some of the corners cut by all retailers in terms of the logistics behind the scenes. They've all worked a lot on their online platforms to make everything appear seamless. Mm. Um, but if you've had the experience of you know returning something you've bought from online to oh, a major yeah. retailer, you can see just how inefficient their processes are. So I think that will be an interesting thing over the next few years to but see. This, but this is where someone like Asos has been really ahead of the curve. Oh, so, so, I, mean, I remember going, maybe, maybe last Christmas, Christmas before, going into you know post my uh, international cars and in front of me in the queue there was inevitably about five women returning stuff to ASOS. Yeah, yeah there, it's so... I mean... Yeah, and I it's generally stuff. women, I have to say. Uh, I'm oh, not yeah. being sexist. <laughs> no, 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 it, it is. When, when you see a man with an ASOS bag, you think, oh, that's unusual. But it, they... Metro. They, oh, they are so good. They are, that delivery system, returns service, is just the best. It's better than Amazon's because Amazon's... I've never tried to return every, anything to Amazon. I, no, I don't know I how good either. it is. I accidentally ordered something that I'd already bought off Amazon the other day. <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Uh, do you want a copy? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'd love a copy. <laughs> I'll bring it in. Thanks. Um, okay, yeah. So um, what does this mean? So we, so we know what this means for, for, for Amazon. Yeah. World domination. Are the traditional yeah. retailers catching up? What are the established logistics companies doing in response? Are they going to disappear? Well, that's sort of what could happen. I mean, if Amazon does decide it's going to go into courier services and it is it's only dipping its toes in the water at the moment. That is doing that because it says that UPS in America is not good enough. Um and and yeah, maybe it's not as good as what what Amazon can do itself. Well, no, it's one of the companies you've got on the list here, DX. Yeah, well, that's some interesting experiences. Really yeah, well, bad. I mean, Ian, this company you wrote about quite, uh, quite, quite a lot actually. Yeah, it's been on. It's come to market twice and has had a bad time both twice. times. Yeah, um, it's really interesting, I suppose, because that area of parcel delivery is the higher margin business where everyone wants to be. So it's hence it's the most competitive, and we know that the problems that Royal Mail has had in that area on margins, uh, while retaining its kind of universal obligation with regards to letters that parcel delivery market is yeah intensely competitive Mm. um and more and more people getting into it it's gonna there's clearly gonna be some kind of shake out there my last experience with dx was they sent me half half the order which is useless because then you're stuck at home for two days yeah well that that's the thing like they have to perform these delivery services because uh, i i put it to all the retailers i asked i talked about in the feature do you 
do your own delivery and do you have any intention to to bring that in house and none of them said that they were but if they're if what is letting them down is the fact that the courier is bad mm. then it makes sense to put to invest in actually a good courier service an in in-house courier service and i think it's not just the delivery it's the returns too yeah, oh, yeah. if yeah. you buy something from a department store online and if you've ever had the experience of going into one of the major department stores to try and return something you've bought online it's incredibly complicated they have different computer systems you have to go up to different desks get the right member of staff that works for the right bit i think there's a lot of inefficiencies behind yeah. the scenes with regards to returning things as well as delivering so, so I mean, let's let's switch uh, quickly to retail you know um with, with reference to your your uk equities piece which you've written for the uh, the christmas features this year the uk market has not been a strong performer this year certainly compared to the us mm. which has been extraordinary thanks to the uh, the fangs uh, largely <laughs> fangs Place, or fangs fang, whatever fang, pl- fang plus i think yeah. it's the new york stock exchange uh, index facebook amazon apple netflix google mm-hmm or alphabet as it is now is. Alphabet. Yeah, and that's something I wrote about, yeah, in my piece around the how the shape of the um, S&P 500 as v- compared to the FTSE All Share all share has changed over the past 10 years if you look at the 10 biggest companies on the S&P 500 10 years ago it was your kind of Procter and Gamble and AT&T and those General kind of Electric General it's had Electric. a horrible year exactly and that's really symbolic this terrible year that it's had and now what what is in that top 10 it is the you know all the fan companies exception of Netflix isn't in there but you know you've also got Microsoft in there just the shape of that and the face of that index has changed whereas actually the FTSE all share hasn't really changed very much no, in those 10 years yeah I mean, it's, there are a few tech companies that have sort of come and gone. I mean, Just Eat was one that, that's been promoted very recently to the FTSE 100. Yes, but not amongst the very biggest. So yeah, when you talk yeah, about yeah. equity valuations and people being really nervous, um, the the, exchange, the indices do look different. Um, and they, America has those huge tech companies, and that's why that Disney deal is so interesting in, in what it kind of feeds into in terms of that co- kind of concentration between that sector. But yeah, the UK is different. Um, a lot of retail still in the UK. Uh, FTSE 100 so the big supermarkets the big retailers Marks and Spencer's next and some of the most shorted stocks as well they're, Yeah, and, and, and actually there's, the sentiment towards them has been very poor this year uh, maybe because of Brexit maybe because of uh, inflation which, uh, yeah. and market disruption with the rise of Amazon so, so, so do we think like for example Neil Woodford that retail has been battered too much are, are they going to respond to this challenge which is what your piece is essentially yeah, talking about, uh, Megan. I, I think that they have, there is definitely the opportunity, like as ASOS has done, they've shown that it is possible. But you, the, the problem is that now they're sort of following the trend that's already been set. And Next has had its trailblazing directory, but now that's old and that's not going to last, is it? So I think that these retail companies, they have the concept. And in the same way that you could argue it kind of reflects the media industry as well, they, they have the actual content. They've got the quality clothes. They've got the brands. They, what they don't have is the ability to deliver those brands as well and as fast as, as Amazon does. So it's all about. So you're saying it's all about distribution, and that's where UK and, retail has and got the, it wrong. And uh, the tech platforms as well, mm. like the websites, have to be good. Because I, I'd say that's part of the same. Yeah. Same thing. Because if you're buying an ASOS or a Boohoo or one of those companies, you although they're much more expensive to buy, you know you're buying a future-proof company yeah. in terms of its distribution and how it markets. Um, whereas if you buy one of the traditional retailers that's trying to make that transition. And from high street to high street plus online there's quite a lot of um continuity risk you're taking that they can that they can make that effectively mm-hmm. and yeah m&s has a big directory that can keep it gr- going through that point um but some of the more traditional kind of bricks and mortar businesses or, or no, let's say including them they have to demonstrate that they can 
compete with the purely online players. Yeah, Sainsbury's Argos. That's I think the one to look at in this mm. uh, in this respect. Um, but yeah, there's the uh, there's the uh, the gauntlet thrown down for for UK <laughs> retailers. Mm. Um, okay, let's talk. Should we talk Disney? Now, I know I know you've been itching. I've been to waiting talk to Disney. talk about this. Uh, what's happened this week? So why why is Disney in the Apart from it being Christmas and everyone yeah. spending fortunes with them and all the new films and Star Wars and oh. blah, blah, blah. Which apparently is fantastic. It's Following on from the podcast that we did last week where you dismissed the new films. I'm just not interested. It's not. The, apparently I don't, it's I, really I, good. Maybe you should give it another try. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Um, There's some stormtroopers with the members of the royal family in there. Was there? Did you know that? No. Oh, there we go. Good. Interesting. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, let's talk about Disney. So what's yeah. the big news this week? So um, Disney has bought the vast majority of 21st Century Fox uh, for $52 billion. The chief executive of Disney has been just around the corner with Rupert Murdoch shaking hands at the Shard in the news building. And it's all very exciting and everyone is very excited about it because this is a mega merger in the US media industry. So what aren't they buying? They are not are they buying, buying Fox News or the sport part of the uh, of the company. Okay. Um, which is interesting because that's the bit that could have potentially unstuck the regulatory process. I think they've tried to make it as regulation proof as they can. So what they but what they are buying is uh, Fox's thirty nine percent stake in Sky, um, which all makes the situation all become all very complicated it's very difficult to write about this story without using using up your words too quickly but fox owns 39 percent of sky and it's in the process of buying the rest of it um and that's currently undergoing the uh the competition and markets authority analysis so now disney owns that stake so now disney is planning on buying that stake and it's also said it if the uh acquisition by fox to sky gets approved it will own the whole of sky as well it's happy for that to continue Right. So it doesn't change that story. Then. No, it doesn't. Apart from the thing that potentially does change it is that Bob Iger, the chief executive of Disney, has said he's going to stay on as chief executive until 2021, which means that it's going to be him who's in charge of Fox and its media assets, which kind of gets rid of the argument that the CMA is looking into, which is, is James Murdoch fit and proper to oversee a UK broadcasting licence? And it also splits Fox News away from... 21st Century Fox, which means the media plurality issue also is less is potentially less of a problem because if Fox News is separated from Sky News, Murdoch family arguably doesn't have so much of a sway or won't have so much of a sway over the uh, the British news outlets. Instead, Disney will, which I presume is will get lovely. nothing but good news. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so, so so in respect to the Sky deal, which is the thing we mainly care about because yeah. it's the UK listed company. This actually makes it more likely that it's going to happen now. Potentially, yeah. I mean, no one's no one's going to say that, but it's, it depends a bit on the process, doesn't yeah. it? If Disney becomes the own, the ultimate owner of those assets, um, then it does take away that media plurality, just simply Murdoch ownership of yeah. um, you know p- substantial proportion of British media, and um, that that proportion does shrink. Um, but it's, it's whether they can agree to it subject to that. Yeah, um, so because that other. timing issue and the process issue is really interesting. So Disney mm. is saying, we expect the Fox Sky transaction to complete before this uh, transaction Yeah, completes. so that's expected to complete in June next year. But then... But surely the regulators have to look at it now in light of the yeah, Disney you takeover. Yeah, so I want to be a regulator. This sounds incredibly complicated. It's, yeah, it's Chicken crazy. And, and we were saying, yeah. like, how annoying would it be if you'd been working on sky fox for the last year and a half ready to start your christmas holiday <laughs> yeah now <laughs> well, this has happened one thing i would say you know 
for example, uh, in respect of competition regulation, I mean, Disney's Disney's so big now. Oh, it's I so mean, big. it's so big. I, I mean, in terms of uh, you know big content brands, mm. it's pretty much got everything. Yeah. Now. So this and, is... and so so you know it, you could argue that, that in terms of competition, Disney's essentially far too powerful. It's always become a monopoly of blockbuster. Especially films. when you're talking about how valuable content is, and it, it's so valuable when. When you look at how Netflix has grown, and together Fox and Disney would have the second largest um, con- contribution to Netflix. So, and but weren't they, weren't they talking about pulling that? Yeah, so and, Disney's and already said their own gonna, Yeah, so Disney's already said it's going to pull its content from Netflix. So, so that's massive for Netflix because if it decides it's also going to pull all of Fox's content, they've lost their second. That's nineteen percent of their content. That's why I think next year is going to be the year of kind of antitrust. We're going to be talking about it a lot because AT and T's takeover of Time Warner um, has been challenged by the US Department of Justice, um, partly on the basis that it might impede competition or lead to kind of fewer innovative new products being created for US consumers that whole live issue of you know do you let a telecoms provider buy a content creator that then has a huge market share power you can you can look at disney fox in the same light but more of within the same market the amount of content that you're allowing those companies to have some people are saying that there's only going to be in a few years a couple of massive media companies in the u.s and a couple of massive ones in china and they'll have a huge global dominance in kind of content creation well that certainly proved the case in the advertising industry for example which is why google has done very well i mean you know we, we think of them as a very innovative company but but actually the majority of their their revenues come from from search yeah uh, and people have been looking, regulators have been looking very, very seriously at whether they are too dominant. Mm. So yeah. Yeah, I think you may be right, and I, th- I, can, I can see that being the case. Yeah, and that's Certainly. what I wrote about quite a lot in the, this US feature. But, as you pointed out earlier, from a, from a consumer content uh, perspective, this is great news. Mm. Particularly for I'm Marvel. I'm so excited for the film. <laughs> That's a great news. It's, it's good news we for some care, mega we film. Care, we don't care they're going to charge <laughs> us the earth. Right. Be, and the they can name their price. We just, yeah. we just now get all of the, everything we want in one place. Yeah. It's going to be the Watson ultimate thing. Face with the, you know. Jessica Watson. Yeah. Are you talking about Jessica Jones? Yeah. <laughs> You're joining up with the others. It's Jessica, Jessica J- You sound like a... With Banana a, Man a and the rest of them. <laughs> You're as bad as Stephen and his attempts, attempts to talk about football. <laughs> Come on, Megan, tell us what's happening, because this is a bit I'm actually interested in. Okay, so we've got the Avengers, who are obviously already awesome. Um, (laughs) Disney bought Marvel um, about 10 years ago, and they've done a fantastic job with Marvel. They They, really have. So the Marvel films are amazing now. But Fox um, retained the ownership of Deadpool, who is a Marvel. He was a Marvel. I haven't seen the second one. The first one is very, very good. I'm told it's very good. um, It's quite rude. It's much ruder than the other. I watch these films with my kids. Oh, yeah. Oh, your kids are probably old enough for Deadpool. Really? Yeah, but it's one of those things you probably wouldn't want to watch with your parents. I I think I can handle that now. (laughs) (laughs) Talking for your kids' sake. (laughs) Oh, right, okay. Is there any... Is there any prospect of, you know, original storylines being written at any point? Oh, no, but no, no. one wants that, do they? It doesn't um, yeah. right. uh, Anyway, so who's, who's, coming, who's coming into it's the Marvel studio? the X-Men. Okay, Great. I thought they were Sony, the X-Men. No, the X-Men was with Fox. Okay. Um, and then uh, also the last one is Fantastic Four. So we've now got this universe who the Marvel universe is all reunited. It's all coming Who are they going to fight? Who's going to be there? Well, all they need to buy is DC now, which really needs to be bought because it's rubbish at the moment. And then they can fight Batman. No, no, you've gone too far, Megan. You've gone too far. 
I, I am, in case you haven't already guessed, I, I'm a real comic buff. Mm. Although, actually, my, my poison as a kid was uh, John Stred. Mm. John Stred, 2008. British. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so is that enough, Disney? Oh, yes, Boosie. Oh. Never enough. Oh. Never enough. So, yes, anyway, an exciting story there. Mm, it is. Uh, and I look forward to this, this, the big film. Yeah, me too. Can't wait. <laughs> it's going to come. <laughs> okay, let's quickly uh, round off by talking about some of the results and tip updates we have had in the magazine this week. Uh, one that you've written, Ian, not your sector, Empiric Student Property. Now, I find this quite interesting because in the Christmas features, uh, Jonas's piece on commercial property talks about student property as being still a very much a strong growth area. What has gone wrong here? It's almost impossible to run a business badly in that sector. It, it, I just can't <laughs> believe it. Yeah, I, I, I was stepping in for Jonas writing this uh, tip update. But yeah, a month on from the morning on profits, talking about operational and capital inefficiencies, its boss has been uh, fired. And taking over is um, co-founder Tim Attlee, uh, who's also the company's chief investment officer. So they're going to try and deliver this turnaround at this business. I can't work out what they're doing wrong. So you, you have a, a whole of residents, students come. You, they pay over the odds for their room and then they leave at the end of the year and you know exactly how many people you've got coming into your halls at all times. Yeah, there isn't a huge amount of detail on actually what has gone wrong here. They do talk about you know the significant financial and operational improvements and cost savings that they want to achieve. So that suggests that what was going on wrong before was that they were spending too much uh, and they were badly, running. Run, badly yeah. running. Yeah, I mean that seems to be very much the conclusion of the market and of analyst notes I read, um, and the conclusion you can draw from the board's decision to fire the chief executive. Um, but. This doesn't, doesn't sound too dissimilar, in fact. Sorry, just as an aside to the to the care story we were talking mm, about earlier. Yeah, operationally yeah. is what you should be looking at. Mm-hmm. It should be management light in a way. Um, you know, it's more about the appreciation in the underlying assets. But yeah, it's running at a big discount to um, year end net asset uh, value per share forecast. So um, yeah, Jonas still thinks there's value there. It's, it's it is interesting, but I, I guess it also emphasises the point that these trends that exist and sound attractive, you still have to be yeah. careful what. Me- what mechanism what asset what what stock yeah. you use to play there are so many students and there are so many old people it should be you've got the population yeah, there yeah. but yeah unless you're unless you're investing in the right way you can't just assume the business is gonna grow itself exactly. which, which is what i think you should also apply to the absolute huge amount of reits that we now have on the mar- on the uh, london stock market there's been so many joining and a lot of them look exactly the same in terms of the dividend payout and um, a lot of them are targeting similar types of secure income from properties but one way to distinguish between them is clearly the investment advisor to the fund or the management team there has to be um people that are better at it or worse than at at it and they all have track records so i think yeah although these businesses might be targeting the same sectors and management is going to be a differentiator yeah interesting um let's quickly turn to the results we'll stick with the property sector purple bricks as you mentioned earlier it's a bit of a marmite stock i mean when uh I think I've mentioned before when we started covering it, we were told that we were mad to put it on a buy. It's been an absolute storming uh, stock to have owned. Been a bit softer lately. I think there was a, again, it was a documentary, I think, that that caused some some troubles here. Throughout Purple Brick's life as a listed company, there's been criticisms on many levels to do with how they advertise they're very aggressive in what they say about traditional estate agency um some people have questioned the numbers that they've put out to market in terms of how many sales are actually completing whether they really care whether you sell your house or not um the revenue figures that they've demonstrated over the past year or so a couple of years have 
prove some of that wrong and uh, they clearly are selling and generating and getting good customer feedback so we haven't seen some of the big problems that some people predicted with them and they are breaking into new markets and then their kind of fixed fee pitch is undercutting estate agents in australia just as it has in the uk and now they, they're um, kind of expanding in the us and in the us market i mean they made a big show at this half year result talking about how um, the commission on us house transactions was between five and six percent so that's a huge um commission compared to you know a fixed a much lower fixed fee oh, on on a kind of mid medium sized uh, medium five to six percent yeah that's enormous well the u.s kind of a realtor realtor right is a kind of famous well, <laughs> yeah. I, I often see them on, on sort of television programs and films and people exactly. you just think Modern Family, yeah, you know, yeah, made, Modern Family, yeah, he's exactly. a great example. It's Phil Dunphy, you know, agents. he's a great, great example, and it, they they advertise heavily. It's very much a personal relationship, and it's still a very traditional model, and it, it looks absolutely right for disruption from a company coming in saying, you know, you don't have to pay five to six percent of, you know, especially a high va- higher value property, uh, you can pay less. So, you know, well, let's see. You know. I, I think it's quite interesting in the context of the discussion we had earlier about the enormousness, enormousness of <laughs> the great word that yeah, of like Amazon and. and and, you know, these big platforms that have emerged in the US that are becoming globally dominant. Why has the US not come up with something like this? And how are Purple Bricks going to go into that market and, and, and disrupt it? I don't know. And that's what's really interesting when you look at disruption. You look at certain sectors that people I do say it's completely right for disruption, but it, there's no, uh, not as much activity going on. Do you remember when Tesco tried to get into the US and the resistance it had... From, you know, not from customers necessarily, but from the industry that it was trying to disrupt. They, yeah, you have powerful forces in yeah, the US this will that be can a, stop things happening. Yeah, this will be a real big fight. You know, if they if they start to build up any kind of share of the online market in the US, uh, which will only still be a fraction of the uh, total estate agency market, there'll be a there'll be a big battle. It'll be really interesting to watch. Yeah, I, I, I think this is fascinating. I, I think you know, it's always this is one almost worth buying just to see what happens. <laughs> I mean, it could be it what could be reason? massive. I mean, what's the market cap? A billion. That's tiny in the grand scheme of uh, yeah. your fangs. Yeah. Oh, well, US, yeah. And, and the US online market, focus. even within the online market in the UK for estate agents, is still just a fraction of the overall market. It's really, yeah, there's, there's potential huge growth here. The other thing that's been interesting with Purple Bricks is that a lot of people said, well, anything they can do, there's no barrier to entry. Anyone can start up a kind of online only, well, yeah, hybrid the, estate agency. But actually. But in the UK now, they've got the brand. Yes. But yeah, was it? So is that just. The amount of marketing spend, and as soon as they stop spending on marketing, it'll you know someone else will be able to kind of take over. Well, actually, that hasn't that hasn't been the case. Yeah. They managed to keep up the investment. Their revenue is growing faster than their marketing spend, um, and they are growing their number of local property experts. So they're starting to get that first mover advantage is starting to kind of take hold for them. Yeah, and the traditional estate agency market in the UK has, has all kinds of pressure that's stopping it from keeping up with them. Yeah, no, no, it's interesting. We talked about this uh, with Algie recently um, in respect to Rightmove. Hmm. And there, were, there was always that fear that Google was going to come into this space. And I think it did try, but it just didn't succeed. You know, even these big guys, you know, when it comes to like a niche or a local market, they don't, they don't necessarily have the right answer. So, and so- sometimes it doesn't have the right return on capital for, um, you know, one of the big tech players. You mm. know, people talk about, oh, will they get into fund management and those kind of areas? It's like, well, do they actually want to? from their own perspective is there the kind of returns on offer yeah i I think it's a fascinating story i'll be uh, watching this one closely okay let's wrap it up that that will do for 2017 what a what a fascinating year have you had fun working at the investors chronicle i've loved it and i'm only going three floors away 
but yeah, I'll be reading it with interest. Uh, stealing in, stories. Stealing stories. <laughs> journalists. No. <laughs> no, it's been brilliant. It's been brilliant. And I've loved being on the pod too. Yeah, no, we've loved having you in. It's been a pleasure and uh, you, you will be missed. So uh, thank you very much. Thank you, Megan, of course, uh, as well. Thank you all for listening. But just to quickly run through what's in the magazine, as I said, uh, 50 pages near enough of Christmas features, looking at everything from UK equities, US equities, emerging markets, Europe, bonds, property, you name it, it's in there. Uh, so so much has been written in this issue that I struggled to come up with anything different to write in the editorial this week. So apologies for uh, for that when you, when you read it. Um, Lots of results and news this week, uh, with the usual comment from uh, from Chris and Nicole. Uh, Simon Thompson will be back in the new year when he's finished his book, so uh, so uh, I'm sure you're all looking forward to uh, to that. Uh, but there, yeah, that's it. What a year it's been. Uh, we haven't even talked about politics in this podcast. Hooray! <laughs> um, Sparkling Investments for 2018. Pick it up in all good news agents. Five ninety five because it's a double issue. Available for two weeks. Thanks for listening. Thanks for reading. And uh, I hope you all have a fantastic Christmas. And uh, yeah, we'll be back again in the new year. <laughs>